This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Welcome to the CBS Eye on Money podcast. I can't believe it. It's 2022, Mark. It's insanity, but here it is. And it's really not 2022 because as we record this, we're recording early. So it's still 2021 for us. Mark and I just loved having this long break over the summer. And so we decided we were going to do the same thing, a slightly shorter winter break. But we really liked the idea of taking two full weeks off. We did three weeks in the summer, right? First time in 11 years we pulled right. that off. We did. And and we did that be, through the magic of Mark, because I would have just been being on vacation doing the show every day. But all right, you figured it out and we have figured it out. So it's a new year. And that means if you have something in your financial life that you would like to accomplish, if it is, I don't even want to call it a resolution, but if it, okay, if it's a resolution, if it's a goal, if it's something, when you turn the page over, and it says 2022, it's like a nice kick in the tush, which is a motivator. And anything that motivates you to just send us a note, we're very happy about. So all you need to do is go to our beautiful website, jillonmoney.com, and click on the contact button. And when you do, we'll get your message. If you would like to come on the air, tell us, and we would love to bring you on. So today we are talking to Josh and Josh is on the line from Vancouver, Canada, where it's probably pretty cold when it's in January. Right, Josh? I'm from central Canada, so it doesn't feel cold, but it just rains a lot. Oh, is that right? Well, listen, I was just talking to a neighbor of mine. I said, oh, you're not dressed warm enough. It's cold out. And she said, I'm from Siberia, Russia, Jill. You cannot scare me with a New York cold day. So I guess yeah. there's everything. It's like really where you're from and what you're used to. So Josh, what brings you to our little podcast today? I'm here because I'm wondering if I want to or should sell the rental property that I own. The current tenants are leaving. And rather than finding new ones, I think... I think I'd prefer to sell, to be honest, mm -hmm. um, but I sort of want to hear if that's a good idea or a terrible idea. Okay. So um, tell us a little bit about you and then the property. So how old are you? I'm 32. Are you single, partnered? I have a partner who's phenomenal, um, but right now most, like our financial lives are pretty separate. We kind of just split expenses. Okay. And, but you live together? We do. Yeah. Okay. And how old is partner? She's 33. Okay. And the rental property is worth how much right now? Well, a bunch of the Canadian real estate market is kind of crazy. Um, so it's worth probably between 1.2 and 1.5 million. Whoa. Canadian. How much did you pay for it? 
maybe this is part of the complication. I actually, um, my father passed away and I uh, inherited the house. Uh, But it was paid for 35, 38 years ago now for like Mm -hmm. 125K or something. Okay. So when he died, was there a tax due on that property for you? You have to explain estate tax and the Canadian law to me. I am probably not the best person to explain that, uh, but the taxes were paid, the taxes that were due upon his passing were paid. And it wasn't actually because it was his principal residence and because it was a farm property purchased before 1986, there wasn't really tax due on the property. There were taxes kind of due on a lot of his other retirement assets and stuff. But Okay. Uh, but but yeah. when you sell it, will there be a tax liability that you have to pay? I want to figure that out. I don't think so because the farm property exemption kind of applies up to capital gains of a million. And when he passed it a couple years ago, um, the assessed value was, or the reassessed value was eight fifty. Mm-hmm. So there, may, so there th- could be some tax too. But it won't be a, a lot. I okay, think I got the, you. Yeah. And if you were to, I mean, even at the low end, let me make sure I do my um, math the right way. 1.2 Canadian is like a million dollars US, right? Yeah, yeah about, right? That. Yeah. about okay. that. Yeah. Where do you live currently? Do you own or do you rent? We're renting in Vancouver. Would you and that's part of it you- too is sort of like having a rental property from that's 3,000 kilometers away is yeah. not great. So do you think if, if you were to sell this, could you use the proceeds and would you want to buy something you know, to live in for you guys? I would probably, we're not 100% sure where we're going to be living in a couple of years. So I would probably kind of just sit on the money. This is part of my question too, is if I sold, what should I do with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and my thought or my current thinking, I guess, would be to kind of just like put it in a bond fund for a couple of years. Once we know where we're going to live, we would then use it to buy. Tell us a little bit more about other money that you guys have saved so far. A little over, I have a little over 400K Canadian in an RSP, which is our kind of 401k program. Yep. Uh, a TFSA, which is a tax-free savings vehicle uh, created post financial crisis and then a taxable investment account. So across those three, uh, okay. 400K. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And, and you're putting money away and um, are you saving a lot of money? Are you guys living kind of how much are you spending on rent and then how much are you actually saving beyond your, your core expenses? My partner is saving more than me because I'm finishing up a PhD and she's working full time. So -hmm. she's saving a ton. I am not really saving, but not, I'm sort of, I'm on a federal funding program here. um, So I'm not saving a ton, but Mm -hmm. not kind of dipping into savings or debt or anything like that. So when you're done with your PhD, how much do you think you'll be earning? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Probably about... Hopefully about 100K or a little more than that. Okay. And how much does she earn? Uh, 260. Ooh. I know. Good job, Josh. Nicely done, <laughs> Josh. Following, following my footsteps. Yes, very yeah. good. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. 
like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. So, I mean, she obviously is saving a lot of money. You've got a bunch of money saved, but I think you have a very robust retirement savings plan in Canada for our U.S. listeners. They're Social security and social safety net is a more robust one than here in the United States. Do you think as you look forward that you would want to take the million dollars that you net out of your, I'm, I'm just calling it a million U.S. dollars, but um, the, sure. the, the proceeds from the rental property, do you think that you would want to spend all of that on a house or would it be necessary to do so? That's the biggest question. I think it really depends where we end up where we end up living in Vancouver. Yeah. A hundred percent of that would go towards like a down payment on a house. Mm -hmm. Um, The cost of a stratted townhouse here is now well over a million dollars on average. Mm -hmm. Um, And for a detached home, it would be more like two, two and 0.5 maybe. Oh my God. Yeah. The Vancouver real estate market is rough. But Um, as you said, you don't know where you're going to end up. Exactly. So, you know, if we ended up in Calgary, a million dollars would buy you a home and you'd have money to spare that could then be put back into retirement. Um, but you'd have to be a Calgary Flames fan, which would, <laughs> might be hard for you. You could, you could have a farm with some horses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, horses. You know, maybe we'd manage being Calgary Flames fans by having our own little. Exactly. Well, since we have a full, a big house that's paid for, it would be much better to be a Calgary fan. Okay. Um, Mark, I want to sell. Are you ready to sell with me? I'm ready to sell. I, I was going to ask a couple of the questions. Josh, so you grew up in this house. Any other family members around that are, you know, kind of pushing you in other directions? On on this side of my family, I was the, the only child. On the other side, I have a couple brothers. But um, yeah, so I mean, it, it is up to me, I guess. And I did grow up in the house, which, you know, makes it a little... A little sad to sell. It's why I didn't sell right away. Um, but I think now I'm kind of ready to let it go. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sell. it's time to sell. Time to sell is right. Um, uh, I think the bigger question for me is that that's the, the easy decision, actually. The mm-hmm. what to do with the money is harder for me because, as you said, it's there's a lot of moving parts to what happens next. I guess that having, you know, you you do have some money in cash. I would probably keep a nice chunk of money in cash until you start making money yourself, right, in mm-hmm. in a year or so. I like having some bond investments, but I feel like, I mean, is there a is there a possibility that this thing that this purchase of a home happens before 5 years? Before 5 years, yes, probably not before 2 or 3. Because it really, like, if it's two years, I'm not going, I'm really going to be very conservative with that money. Really mm-hmm. conservative. If it's five years, I could almost build you, a, like, I could build a bond portfolio and even put some equities in there, maybe in like 20%. I am a little concerned that all of this happens 
in um, a time horizon that we just can't control so much. So when we don't know the time horizon, what I would say is you'd want to be more conservative rather than less. The sooner you can kind of get a sense of when that would determine what to do. When? Is, wait a second. When is the lease up for the renters? Uh, so they're on a month-to-month situation right now uh, is what it is. And their lease is up uh, at the end of the month. Okay. So this is really going to happen. So I say, like, let's pull the trigger. And then I think you and your partner need to have a real conversation about what you think the time horizon is going to be. And then you can Mm -hmm. make a decision about how to invest it. But I think the answer is, do we sell? Yes. That's, That's the easy part. The harder part is about how to invest. And that has more to do with your time horizon than anything else. I would encourage you guys to try to figure out like when and what your real appetite is for kind of locking yourselves in sooner rather than later, just because, you know, listen, if you do have to buy something in Vancouver and rates are still low, this would be the time to do it. And if you say, eh, you know, I just don't want the pressure, then that's okay. You can just keep renting. I mean, what's the rent right now that you're paying? Uh, it's, it's good actually. It's 2350. Okay. So, I mean, you're paying cheap rent, so that buys you plenty of time. In that, in that Vancouver market, I would hate to blow the bulk of this money on a house. I know. It seems like such a crazy time to, it seems like, uh, you know, you're really not to say that, and not to say that you want to market time, but obviously that's a frothy, (laughs) that's a frothy market there. So if you could, if you do find yourself like, Hey, I got a great job in Calgary. Maybe it's, maybe it's also about like where you land job wise. And maybe for you, um, having it, does your partner have a job that is transferable to kind of any city geographically? Not any city, but, uh, most major Canadian cities. Yeah, she could, she could work. Yeah. Is it really about you and where you land with your PhD? Well, uh, I mean, we both want jobs that we kind of love, but yeah, we want want to find somewhere where we can both do what we really want to do. Okay. Just don't feel like, oh, I got this million dollars. I can, I got to go put 500,000 down on a home. Stick to the traditional down payment amount and invest the rest. Exactly right. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think you guys are going to have good cash flow. It'll be nice to have that flexibility of the non-retirement asset. Oh, that's that's really good to know. So even in the crazy Vancouver, you know, let's just say market where you might spend $2 million on something, you would yeah. say just put down 20%. Yeah. I mean, let's see what, let's see where you land, but I'm guessing that that's, you know, 20 or 30% would be about it. I would not sink all of that money into a new home. Two million dollars seems like a lot to bite on right now. You're 32 years old. That's mm-hmm. nuts. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So here we go. This is, I feel like this is a good plan for you, Josh. Do you feel like you're on board with sort of, be, you have to live in the gray area for a bit. I'm sorry to say. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, I really appreciate the, the help and the suggestions. Um, yeah, and I feel good about the plan. Excellent. Keep us posted because if things change, we might are, you know, as the situation change, as your circumstances change, we might give you a slightly different opinion. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate all your advice and suggestions and um, yeah, happy to keep you in, in the loop. Excellent. If you, like Josh, have a financial question, it's these are timing issues, man. It's hard, right, Mark? I mean, like it, it, sometimes the advice is a little mudgied here because we don't know. We don't know where you're going to be and we don't know what's going on for you. So we understand that. 
But if you give us a holler, we'll give you the advice we can, best advice today. And then, of course, with the understanding that we could change that in the future. So go to our website, jillonmoney.com. Click on the contact button. Come on, it's a new year. It's time to get a little spring in your step. And you can follow Eye on Money wherever you find your favorite podcast. Mark Delercio is our executive producer. We are distributed by Viacom CBS. We drop episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Try to do something nice for someone else today. And remember our mantra, curiosity, compassion, community. We'll talk to you next time. If you like Money Watch, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts.